0: What is happening, everybody, Tuesday afternoon, which usually is the time that myself and Eric Lindquist sit down and we break down the upcoming ringmaker slate, sometimes talking UFC, sometimes talking PGA. But for today, Eric is moving, and he's not available. So I said, you know what, we don't need to change the time. I don't need Eric. Eric's just here to, to really just humor me, especially when we talk about UFC, UFC 292 coming up this week. We've got Aljamain Sterling, Sugar Sean O'Malley in the main event. I'm really excited for it. Jordan Klein is producing, and also, kind of curious, Jordan, because I know that you were excited for the last pay-per-view card where we had Justin Gaethje against Dustin Poirier. Do you give a shit about this card as well as much as you did about the other one? Because you were pretty into that, more so than I remember you being about UFC. Not really. I was watching a lot (laughs) of the hype fights, like, before, like, during the week, and I haven't seen anything yet on this one. But I'll have to take a look at it. So I thought, because if you guys don't know Jordan, he's very much... uh, gen z is it or whatever he's into all of the you know streaming and twitch and all that which i thought that like Sean o'malley be right up jordan's wheelhouse because Sean o'malley also a gamer does a lot of streaming on twitch has a really big following so i thought that he would be somebody who maybe you would be hip to but perhaps not but this should be a really good fight on paper and by the way tristan i see you in chat saying can we open a pack on stream unfortunately not i'll do it on my show on friday the reason I can't do it here is because it gets really complicated, primarily because I am in New Jersey. Jordan is producing the show from California, and then it creates all kinds of location issues. If I had Jordan sign in for me on my DraftKings account from Los Angeles, and then I signed in from New Jersey, like sometimes I could flag your account and they think like you traveled or did something you know weird with an IP. So i'm uh, not gonna be opening any packs on stream, but since you requested, I'll do it on my show on Friday that I also do solo, but for today. We're going to be talking about rainmakers and as you guys come in do me a favor like the video subscribe to the youtube channel since i'm going to be here by myself because eric moving into his house which very excited about i I usually make fun of eric when he's not around not gonna do it today very happy he's moving into his house very exciting stuff but since i don't have anybody to ask me questions you guys could ask me the questions anything you want to know about this event about the fights about how i'm breaking them down which fighters i'm targeting anything like that at all let me know in the youtube comments and i'm going to be answering that over the course of the show and Jordan's going to be doing some sharing of some of the DK marketplace. We'll look at through some of the pricing. And if you guys don't have any questions for me, cool. I'll just break down the fights. But any questions you have, now is the time because we're definitely going to have the uh, time to be able to get to that on the show. And then also, I'm going to be, oh, like I said, for Tristan's question, uh, since you requested Friday, I'm still going to be doing my show where I break down the slate more so from a classic DraftKings contest perspective, but still. I touch on Rainmakers. I'll open up a pack on on that for you, Tristan, and build out some lineups as well. And if you guys haven't opened up any packs, they just went live. We had the pre-access period was 11.30 a.m. Eastern time, and then they just went live for public access at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So if you go click, Jordan, let's see how many are available right now, just out of curiosity. So there are, it's uh, to the, the, that's the uh, football packs. Go to the, uh, yeah, the UFC ones right there. So still about 5,000 left. So 7,300 packs for the week, 2,300 have been sold. So still a good amount of them left. It's a pay-per-view card. I do expect them to sell out in the next couple of days or so. So if you do, if you guys do want to get them, now is the time for you to uh, get on them. Main event, we've got Aljamain Sterling taking on Sugar Sean O'Malley. I'm kind of curious to see in the chat if you guys have any opinions on who you think is going to win the fight. I'm going to strongly be on the Aljamain Sterling side if we do look at the current betting odds for the fight. We've got pretty big favorite here in Aljo, most recent odds. Let's see, what do we have here? Aljo is currently sitting at a minus 255 favorite, and he opened up minus 220. The line moved pretty heavily in his favor, and it moved a little bit towards O'Malley a couple of days ago. I think we saw Sterling drop to like a minus 220, but now he's back to being a minus 255 favorite, and I totally understand why because of the kind of style that Aljamain Sterling implements, we've not seen Sean O'Malley go up against a fighter who could implement this kind of wrestling and grappling pace against him. And when we have seen O'Malley pressed in the wrestling department times, it hasn't gone all that well for him. So if you look at the stats for his last fight against Peter Yan, which was a very controversial decision, ultimately, O'Malley wins by split decision. But a lot of people did think that Peter Yan ended up winning the fight I thought it was close. It could have gone either way. I didn't think it was a robbery or anything. I did think Jan was the rightful winner of the fight, but here's what's going to stand out the most to me about that fight and how it pertains to this fight. Peter Jan, who is not the same caliber of wrestler and grappler that Aljamain Sterling is, landed six of 13 takedowns against Sean O'Malley. He also was able to hold five minutes and 44 seconds of control time in those three rounds. If Peter Jan is able to do that to Sean O'Malley, I tend to think Aljamain Sterling is going to be able to do that as well, which also means that that is going to limit the ability for Sean O'Malley's path to victory, which is likely going to be a knockout sometime in the early rounds. First, second round knockout, I think is probably the path to victory for Sean O'Malley. But if he's laying on his back, not a lot of opportunities to be able to finish or hurt Aljamain Sterling, in that kind of scenario. So, I think Sterling wins the fight. I don't think the path to victory for Sean O'Malley is super realistic. He really only has a puncher's chance in this fight. And if Aljo wins, which like I said, I expect to happen because it's going to be a wrestling and grappling-based game plan, I think we're going to see a massive amount of fantasy points come in for Sterling. So he's going to be my number one target for this event. And Two title fights on this card, so we're going to talk about the other one in the co-main event in a second as well. But Aljo, I pick him to win. I pick him to win via wrestling and grappling. I think he eventually breaks down O'Malley on the ground, gets himself a submission, puts up well over 100 fantasy points. So Something that we definitely want to be targeting. And David Lynch, right here in the chat, saying that he really likes Captain Aljo this week. He thinks he's put up a big score by a quick sub or accumulating takedowns and control time. Yeah, man, I'm on the same page as you. That's what I'm picking to happen in this fight as well. So, Aljo for me in the main event. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if we do see some line movement towards O'Malley later on in the week. We could also see... Cards end up being a little bit too expensive for O'Malley on the secondary market just because he is a very popular fighter. And kind of the reason why I thought Jordan Klein, our producer here, I thought that he might be hip to Sean O'Malley is just because he is somebody who's young, he's cool, he's popular. So I think that could ultimately dictate some of the betting action. So uh, we'll see what the lines look like later on in the week. There aren't a ton of books that have prop lines up for this. But uh, Aljamain Sterling by submission, I think is a very live prop to look at for this fight. Co-main event, Jordan, we have Zhang Wiley taking on Amanda Lemos. This is going to be another title fight. We've got two title fights on this card. Talk about the main event. Now we've got the co-main event for the woman's strawweight belt. Zhang Wiley has not fought in close to a year. Her last fight was her reclaiming the belt against Carla Esparza in what was a very, very non-competitive fight because it was a terrible stylistic matchup for Carla Esparza. Zhang Wiley was just way too strong for Esparza, and ultimately, Esparza wasn't able to land takedowns. If Carlos Esparza doesn't land takedowns, she loses the fight because that's her only path to victory in most of her matchups. The fight between Zhang Wiley and Amanda Lemos, I give Lemos a better chance to win as an underdog than I give Sean O'Malley a chance to win. The reason why is because Amanda Lemos has crazy power for the women's strawweight division. There are two women in the, or I should say, three women that fight in this division that have one-punch knockout kind of power. That is Amanda Lemosh. It is Zhang Wiley, and it is Jessica Andrade. And Andrade has been on, you know, a terrible losing streak as a late, although in very difficult matchups. Amanda Lemosh, if you look at her fight last time out against Marina Rodriguez, there's some positives and there's some negatives to take away from it. The positives: she won the fight. She won by KO. The negatives: she landed 29 significant strikes in a fight that landed in the third round. Not a ton of output on the side of Amanda Lemos, especially when she's fought against some of the better competition, which if you look at the results from recent fights, it's not great, which is why if this fight gets extended, Zhang Li is going to win. But I do think Lemosh is live for a knockout in the same way that I said, I think that Sean O'Malley is live for a knockout in the first or second round. But I think that Lemos is more live to have the knockout than Sean O'Malley, because number one, I think, Relatively, she is more power for the women's strawweight division than O'Malley has for the men's bantamweight division. The other thing, too, is that we have seen Zhang Wiley hurt and knocked out on occasion. We saw her get knocked out against Rose Nam Yunus, in a, and she just got starched in that fight. That knockout came about a minute into the fight. High kick lands. It was like the first strike that landed of the entire fight, put Zhang Wiley out. So just because we have seen that before, and then also we saw her get staggered and hurt, multiple times in her war against Joanna Janjacek, and that was back in 2020. So three years ago, it was one of the best women's fights of all time, arguably the best women's fight of all time. But just because we have seen Zhang Li's chin tested in a way where it hasn't always held up, I can see a path where Amanda Lemos knocks her out in the early going in this fight. So if you're looking for a really cheap fighter with upside for DraftKings purposes and Rainmakers, I think Lemos, can you pull up the uh, Lemos cards really quick, Jordan? I want to see what the prices are at right now. And the the packs just dropped. So the supply isn't that high on the secondary market, but I wouldn't be, is that a 99 cents for the core? Is that what it said there? 99 cents kind of hard for me to make it. Yeah. because it's super, super cheap. And that's only going to get cheaper as the week goes on. I wouldn't be surprised if we could get some Lemos cards for like, 70, 65 cents later on the week. I think it's a live underdog to pick for sure. Now, my pick to win the fight is clearly going to be Zhang Wiley for reasons I'm about to get into. I think that if she's able to land takedowns in this fight, she's going to win fairly easily. But we don't often see her go to a wrestling game. So I think she's most likely to stand and trade with Amanda Lemos, where I favor Zhang Wiley to win. And then also Lemos does not have the best cardio in the world. So if the fight gets extended, I think Zhang Wiley wins. If the fight ends early, I think either of them could win, but Lemosh is live. So I'm gonna pick Zhang Wiley to win. I think whoever wins this fight is going to put up a really good DraftKings score. I pick Wiley to win, but this is a good fight to target one where I am willing to take shots on the underdog in Lemosh, but uh probably a fight where you guys want to be playing one side of this in just about every single Rainmakers lineup. By the way, a question from CA Premium in the YouTube chat wants to know if I'm playing the tennis slate today. Unfortunately, I am I've been playing a lot of tennis lately. A lot of tennis over on DraftKings. Not playing today, though, because I'm busy. I'm doing this show solo with the help of Jordan. I don't I don't want to discount you, Jordan. You're part of this show as well. It's not, it's not really me by myself. Friday will be me entirely by myself. Today it's myself and Jordan. Uh, but a bunch of meetings and other stuff going on today, too. So unfortunately, not time to, to play the tennis slate. I have my baseball lineups all reserved for tonight, though. And we'll be doing my my normal baseball show tonight from six to seven Eastern time with who, who are we with tonight, Jordan, on Live Before Lock? Is it Neil or Eric? With Neil. So myself and Neil will be on uh, MLB Live Before Lock tonight, 6 to 7 Eastern time. Got a uh, another question. Oh, CA Premium. Can play Rainmakers in the UK? Maybe someday. Maybe someday. By the way, if you have if if you can't play Rainmakers, but you just have general MMA questions for me about this card, throw those into chat, and I can certainly answer those as well. But let's talk about the rest of the card at least the main event for here, and just 15 more minutes to talk about it. So probably won't be able to get through every fight. I will on Friday, though. But going through some of the other spots, as far as the biggest favorite on the card, we have Ian Gary taking on Neil Magny. And listen, Magny is definitely on the downside of his career. I'm picking Gary to win. I just think the line is a little bit wide, which could mean the cards for Ian Gary could get too expensive for my liking on the secondary market. If you pull up Ian Gary right now, what is that? Is that eight seventy five? that That's more than I want to pay for an Ian Gary core. And what are the rares going for right now? The Ian Gary rares, $23. Dude, that's, that's more than I want to pay for Ian Gary core and rare cards, even though I expect him to win because – Neil Magny is still somebody who, while we've seen him finish, it's not usually on the feet that we see Neil Magny lose his recent fight. So if we go through Neil Magny's recent bouts, wins a split decision against Phil Rowe, the the dog shit fight. Terrible to watch. A lot of clinching. Not all that much happens. Neil Magny looked pretty washed. Loses to Gilbert Burns, gets finished, but by arm triangle. So it's not like he got knocked out on the feet. He beats Daniel Rodriguez. By submission he loses to shavkat Rachmanov. that also was a loss by submission so we don't usually see neil magny get knocked out the last time that we saw him actually get hurt and finished in a fight actually the only time in the ufc where it happened was against the prime version of santiago ponzanibbio and that was in 2018 so you know, Magny, even at this point, is correct. consider him to be fairly durable. If you want to finish Neil Magny, it is most likely going to have to happen via the wrestling and grappling like we saw Gilbert Burns do. And that's also what the betting lines indicate right now. If you're looking at this right now, we've got it minus 165 to go over two and a half rounds. So with that in mind, I don't think that Ian Gary has an upside worth his current price point on the secondary market. If the cards get a little bit cheaper to the point where maybe he get his cores for like $5 and maybe the rares come down to like $10 to $12. Okay. I'm not going to pay $23 for an Ian Gary rare. I don't want to pay close to $10 for an Ian Gary core because of, like I said, I just don't think an early finish is all that likely for Ian Gary. And if you're going to pay that kind of premium for him, you need a really big score. You need him to be like a captain worthy fighter. And to me, the fighters that I really want to play in the 1.5X spot, the ones that I think are most likely about the biggest, biggest scores on the card, it's it's the winner of the main event, who I think is going to be Algermain Sterling. It's the winner of the co-main event, Zhang Wiley and Amanda Lemos. And then there are some other fights too that we're going to talk about as we go through here. And I'll kind of group some of them together right now. But fighters like Brad Tavares taking on Chris Wadden. I don't think Widen has any durability left. I think I think we'd see brad Tavares. i think brad Tavares is more likely to finish to have a finish in his fight than ian gary is to finish neil magni same thing goes for gregory rodriguez against dennis tuland gregory rodriguez zero zero fight iq comes in with some of the worst game plans ever extremely talented grappler good wrestler as well but chooses to stand and trade by the way he could knock out dennis tululin that's a very live possibility but if rodriguez decides he's going to wrestle and grapple in this fight i think he puts up a massive score so when I'm starting to figure out who I want to prioritize for rainmakers this week, just as a whole, my overall top priorities: Aljamain Sterling, Zhang Wiley, a little bit of Amanda Lemos too as an underdog in that fight, and then Brad Tavares and Gregory Rodriguez. Ian Gary to me is just like a tier below those fighters as far as rainmakers targets go. And I think Ian Gary is going to be the most expensive of all of them because of how big of a betting favorite he is on the on the betting market. But despite that, like I said, his odds to win inside the distance aren't all that great. And uh, we do have some questions that are coming in here. One from David Lynch wants to know my thoughts on Bautista against Blackshear. Yep, we could definitely walk through that. And then Randy Jackson also wants to know, can you use these picks for DraftKings? Absolutely. Because, you know, it's still the scores are going to be what the scores are. So, like, the co-main event, we definitely want to target Jang Wiley and Amanda Lemotion Classic DraftKings Contest for the main event. Aljamain Sterling, Sean O'Malley, another fight I think you guys should be all in on. I'm strongly favoring the Aljamain Sterling side. So he's somebody who's going to be in probably nearly all of my classic lineups this week. Uh, maybe I'll take a couple of shots on Sean O'Malley in case the unlikely happens. But still, like I envision myself playing 80, 85 plus percent of Aljamain Sterling on this weekend's card. So, yeah, Randy, absolutely. You could You could also apply a lot of this analysis to your classic DraftKings contest as well. David Lynch wants to know my thoughts on Bautista against Blackshear. So this fight was announced very, very short notice. And Blackshear, as I'm sure a lot of you guys are aware, just fought. He fought three days ago. And then we had Bautista who was supposed to be taking on the corpse of Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt pulls out because uh, this time he got hurt before the fight started. Instead of getting hurt in the octagon, which is typically what happens, he usually suffers traumatic brain damage during his UFC fights, Jordan. Cody Garbrandt, is he a fighter you've heard of, by the way, Cody Garbrandt? Okay, so Jordan has not heard of Cody Garbrandt. That's not in his wheelhouse. I'm always trying to gauge which fighters Jordan has and hasn't heard of. But Cody Garbrandt has gotten knocked out a million times in his career, so Bautista was a massive favorite against him. Then you get Garbrandt pulls out. In steps, Dim on Blackshear on just a couple days' notice. So as far as Blackshear goes, I'm really interested to see what the betting lines are. We don't have any up for this fight yet. I hope that Blackshear is an underdog because... While I haven't had a ton of time to look into this fight, I have taken a look at some of the stats based around this fight, and I have some concerns with the takedown defense of Bautista. So I'm going to pull up his fight history here and go through some of his takedown defense and really try to show why I have concerns with it. So, I have to go to his UFC stats page. Unfortunately, he's not on the UFC stats page for this event yet because the UFC has not officially added Mario Bautista and Damon Blackshear to the fight card. So, Mario Bautista has a takedown defense, I know off the top of my head, right around 60%. All right, I got the stats in front of me. Yeah, yeah 62% takedown defense for Mario Bautista. Now, I'm going to tell you why I think this is a good matchup for Damon Blackshear, why I really hope we get plus money on him, which would mean that, number one, I think he'd be a good bet, and then, number two, I think he'd be a good target if he comes in cheaper than expected for Rainmaker's purposes. So, Blackshear, as we saw last week, excellent wrestler and grappler. Great submission game. We saw him land the Twister last week, only the third one in UFC history. Super impressive finish, got himself the 50K bonus. Last fight, Mario Bautista fights Guido Canetti, who's 10 million years old and Guido Canetti lands a takedown against Mario Bautista. It goes one for one on takedowns. Did it amount to anything? No, not really. We still saw Bautista land takedowns of his own. Get Guido Canetti out of there. Other fights, we saw Mario Bautista. He was taken down twice by Jay Perrin, which is a very bad look because Jay Perrin uh, is not somebody who should be taking down Mario, a, a fighter like Mario Bautista or anybody that we consider an actual fighter that has a chance to be like a high-end UFC prospector. I think a lot of people look at Mario Bautista potentially as. Mario Bautista was also taken down twice by Jin Su Sun. And if you look at Jin Su Sun's career, he is no longer in the UFC. Last fight was that fight against Mario Bautista. It was a loss in 2019. So overall, Mario Bautista only has a 62% takedown defense, and he has not fought the best wrestling, grappling competition. He's getting taken down by some really low-level fighters. So he has massive striking advantages over Demond Blackshear in this fight. I have zero I have zero doubt about that. But If this is a spot where Blackshear is able to land takedowns, which I think is probably going to happen, considering that Mario Bautista only has a 62% takedown defense, then I think that we're in a spot where DeMond Blackshear is potentially a very live underdog. And like I said, my expectation is that Blackshear is going to be an underdog when the betting lines come out, but I'm just making a guess because we don't actually have the betting lines up. I'll have more of that information on Friday when when we break the card down. But based on scoring output, to me... Bautista is reliant on a finish to put up a big score, whereas we could get Blackshear potentially get himself a submission. But also, with the weak takedown to of Mario Bautista, I think we could see multiple takedowns from Blackshear. He could hold a bunch of control time and could end up scoring well even in a decision. So Blackshear, I hope he ends up being an underdog that we could bet on and play at a cheap price for DraftKings purposes, get for cheap and Rainmakers. But we'll end up seeing what the actual pricing ends up being once all that gets released. Some of the other fighters that I want to... Talk about for this card. Jordan, pull up a Brad Tavares for me, if you wouldn't mind. So Brad Tavares taking on Chris Weidman. I cannot believe Chris Weidman is back. Cannot believe it at all, which speaks to a couple of things. First of all, Chris Weidman, kudos to you, man. The mental fortitude that it takes to get back into the octagon after he broke his leg on the first strike he threw of his last fight against Uriah All, that is unreal to me. Is it, is it advised? Probably not. Probably not. I I don't even know. I I don't think he should have been cleared for this fight because you look at his other outings. Here are the recent string of fights for Chris Weidman and how they finished. Uriah Hall, TKO. Uriah doesn't even throw a strike in the fight. Chris Weidman throws a leg kick. He snaps his own leg in half. Fight ends in 17 seconds. Uriah Hall gets himself a KO, a quick win bonus on DraftKings by doing nothing, just by existing in the octagon. Chris Weidman fights against Amari Akhmedov. Amari Akhmedov, who is... A not UFC caliber fighter, I wouldn't consider. He is somebody who is no longer on the roster. His last fight, actually, believe it or not, was a loss to Brad Tavares. So Amari Akmedov loses to Brad Tavares. He ends up also uh, losing to Chris Wybin, but Tavares looked much better in his win over Akmedov than Chris Wybin looked in his win over Akmedov. Also, Chris Bond was totally gassed by the end of that fight. Akmedov took him down four times. So it was a win for Wybin but it wasn't a great-looking win for him. He fights against Dominic Reyes, gets knocked out in a minute and a half. Fights against Reyes Souza, gets knocked out in the third round. Fights against Kelvin Gastelum, ends up getting himself a submission. That is his last, uh, his last career finish that we saw from Chris Weidman. Came in 2017 against Kelvin Gastelum, but Chris Weidman got knocked down early in that fight and nearly got finished. Fight before that, knocked out by Yegard Musasi. Fight before that, knocked out by Yoel Romero. Fight before that, gets the absolute brakes beaten off by Luke Rockhold. It was relatively competitive until Chris Wyman throws that ill-advised spinning kick, ends up getting taken down, and then just gets absolutely beaten to oblivion by Luke Rockold. The point being here, Chris Wyman has taken a metric shit ton of damage. I do not think he's able to withstand anymore, given the fact that in his last fight, he threw one kick and it just broke his own leg. Brad Tavares is not a finisher. And I do think that the UFC is trying to set Chris Weidman up in a matchup where he just does not go out there and get killed. I just don't know it matters. I don't think Chris Weidman is able to take a punch from anybody who's in the UFC. So with that in mind, I'm taking Brad Tavares to win. I think he probably knocks out Chris Weidman. Something else, too, that's going to be problematic for Chris Weidman is that Brad Tavares is an 80% takedown defense. He is not somebody who is easy to take down. If you look through some of the fights that we have seen from Brad Tavares, he fought against uh, Drikas Duplessis, who was not able to take him down. We did see Akhmedov take him down twice, but with that said, Akhmedov took down Chris Weidman four times. Antonio Carlos Jr. was a great wrestler and grappler. He was only to take, he was only able to land one takedown against Brad Tavares. If Chris Weidman is not able to take down Tavares, which the numbers kind of indicate is the most likely scenario because of Tavares's high takedown defense, then Chris Weidman is on the feet, standing and trading, which is likely going to land and end in disaster for him. So. I really like Brad Tavares as somebody to target for Rainmakers and for Classic DraftKings contests as well. For sure, early finishing equity. And if we look through the rest of the card, only a couple minutes left, I want to talk about one underdog that I think is live. Jordan, look up uh, Marina Morose. It is spelled M-A-R-Y-N-A is her first name. I'm curious to see where the prices are coming in on her right now. Morose they a little more expensive than I would have thought. Those are going to get cheaper later in the week. Don't buy them now. Guarantee they're going to get cheaper. But Karine Silva, who is fighting against Moroze. By the way, these two have fought once in the past. Not in the UFC. Outside the UFC, though. And if we look at Silva's career, she has fought 20 times. She's 29 years old. Of those 20 fights, 19 have ended inside the distance. She's only gone to decision once. And if you look at the durability of Marina Moroz, she is somebody who has never been finished within the UFC. And the last time these two fought each other, it was in 2014. So you can't pull too much away from it. You know, it was nine years ago, but still it was a fight where Moroz ended up winning by submission. And if we are considering Silva a fighter who is dependent on finishes to win every single one of her finishes in her career have come inside the distance, She's also looked a little bit slower and seemingly started to gas out in the later stages of some of her fights that have gotten extended past the first round or so. If she is somebody who is dependent on finishing and Marina Moroz is really difficult to finish, I tend to think that Moroz is very live to win this fight, especially in the later stages. I would not be surprised at all if Moroz, who I do consider to be the better striker, was able to knock out Silva in the second or third round as she starts to slow down. Or maybe this fight lands on the mat they end up getting you know silva gets sloppy she ends up getting tired and morose is able to finish her on the mat if that if that ends up being the case because uh, marina morose has looked slightly improved in some of her recent fights i'll pull up some of those results for you guys and go through some of the numbers but she's one of my favorite underdogs on the slate and you know she lost to jennifer maya but Maya's a title challenger. She had that fight against Marina Agapova, where I thought Moroz looked really good in that fight. She was able to exploit the grappling and takedown defenses of Agapova. She lands two takedowns in that fight, holds a bunch of top control time, ends up getting a submission win there. She beat Maria Bueno Silva, which how good is that win age? We have Marina Moroz beating Buena Silva. She ends up outlanding her 139 significant strikes to 88. She also took her down twice. Buena Silva could be challenging for a title next, and Marina Moroz was able to beat her, so... I think this betting line is a little bit off. I lean towards the Moreau side and somebody who I definitely think is live for both DraftKings uh, Draft Classic Contest as well as Rainmaker. So Marina Moreau, those are going to be some really cheap cards that are going to be available in the next few days. Also, Laker is an underdog for Classic DraftKings Contest. So uh, guys, thank you very much for watching. We've gone 30 minutes here. Didn't make it through every fight, but I'm going to be breaking down every single fight in full on Friday on this channel. So go check that out. That'll be a pre-recorded video. Won't be live. But if you guys ever have questions for me, Hit me up on Twitter at Garenberg DFS or just in the comment section of any of the videos I'm on. Thank you guys very much for watching. If you're not done yet, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Good luck and watch the baseball show. And I'll be on with Neil Orfield, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern time, Stochastic YouTube channel, Breaking Down Baseball. See you guys then. Okay, round two. Name something that's not a